Hi folks, it's Andy, the analytical preacher. Had a great question from a young person recently. They asked me, am I going to end up in hell if I fail to confess each and every sin that I have committed? They went a little further. What if I fail to confess it for a day, a week, a month before I remember or before I choose to confess it? He even gave me an example, which I thought was pretty helpful. He said, what if I'm in a car wreck? And in my terror, in my fear, right before I crash into the back of this giant vehicle at 80 miles an hour, I yell out a cuss word and then I perish from this earth before I have a chance to say, God, I just cussed and that's a sin. And will you please forgive me for that? Will I then, he said, ultimately, after being a Christian for some years, end up in hell? The simple answer to that question is no. As long as your faith is a what the Bible calls a saving faith, as long as you have true Christian faith in Christ and the death that he paid for you on the cross, then the answer is no. Failing to confess a single sin is not going to send you to hell. And there's a really short section of verses in the letter of 1 John that we can use to scripturally explain why the answer is no to that. The word that is used here in 1 John, there's this word confess, and we often use this verse when we think about confessing our sins, especially confessing our sins in prayer. You'll recall Jesus said in what we call the Lord's Prayer, found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, He said to to the Father, forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses, depending on how your version of the Bible has been translated. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we know it is biblical. Christ commanded us to pray in this way, to confess our sins. And then 1 John, let me read 1 John Chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10, because it's really going to give us the picture that we want. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So when John wrote these words originally, of course, I just read them in English, but he originally wrote them in Greek. And this word for confess here in verse nine. So if we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive us. Is actually two Greek words that were sort of put together. The first Greek word is the Greek word for being the same or being in accord or being in agreement with. And that second Greek word there is the word for an expression or a thought. It's it's the word for the written or the spoken word itself. And so what this is really saying is confessing. It says, if we confess our sins, it's not written in a way that's saying, if we list in detail each sin that has been committed, and specifically ask forgiveness for each sin as it was committed. No, it's really using this as more of a mindset. It's saying if we maintain this mindset that we agree with God, 
that what God says is a sin is a sin. And we agree that when we've committed that act, that it is not only a sin, but it is our fault and we are taking responsibility for that. It's really saying if we confess our sins, if we maintain a mindset of, if we look at those surrounding verses, it really confirms it validates this definition. So verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Verse eight is saying this, we can disagree with God about what sin is. Did I commit that act? I most certainly did commit that act. I, however, do not believe that that act is sinful, immoral, unrighteous, illicit. So I've committed it, but there's no shame. There's no guilt. I don't have to ask for forgiveness for it because I don't think it's sinful. And John goes, nice try, but you don't determine truth. God does. So if God says it's a sin, then it's a sin. If you commit it, but claim it's not a sin, then there's just no truth in you. Verse 10 is saying, if we agree with God, what is a sin? But we say that we haven't committed those sins. Well, then John says, you're just a liar. So you're saying this act of stealing something that doesn't belong to me is a sin. Well, God, I would agree with you that stealing something that doesn't belong to me is a sin. But when I took that item off the store shelf and put it in my pocket and walked out of the store with it, I don't consider that to be stealing because... The store, last time I was here, failed to give me the correct change. I gave them $10. They owed me $1.12 back. They only gave me $1.09 back. So if they're going to be cheats, then I'm going to be a cheat. So yes, I took an item, put it in my pocket, walked out the store without paying. But I don't think, and John's like, okay, now you're just a liar. I don't even know what kind word to call you. And then he's saying, sandwiched in between those two, John is saying, but if we confess, yes, God, I do things that you say are wrong. And I agree with you. My mind is in agreement. My words are in agreement with your words. I'm in accord with your understanding that what you say is wrong is wrong. And it's wrong because you say it's wrong. And I did do it. And I'm not going to make an excuse about it. The things that I do that are wrong, I will own up to, and I will acknowledge that I did them and that they're sinful because you say that they are sinful. And again, this verse and other verses in the Bible seem to be speaking more about this ongoing mindset that that is how we review sin and that is how we review confession. And this fits perfectly in with how the Bible defines repentance. In the Bible, all of these words like faith and repentance and belief and confession, they all go together and they all form this very tightly wound ball together. And so we heard individuals such as Jesus preaching repentance. Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. Peter preached in Acts 2, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Paul said, I preached repentance for the forgiveness of sins to the Jews and to the Gentiles. When that word repentance is used in the Bible, it holds this idea of changing your mind based on information that you've processed. Could be new information, could be information you've known before, but that you're rethinking about. 
So repentance is this idea of changing your mind based on having reviewed some information. And it carries this strong undertone of you're not really just changing your mind, but because your mind has changed, your behavior will naturally follow. Your direction will turn and you'll go, in this case, back toward God. And so the Bible speaks even about God repenting. God saw the violence and the evil in Noah's day before he brought the flood. And it says he repented of the idea that he had even made humans. I think I've changed my mind. I don't like how these folks are acting. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Clearly, God's repentance in that sense is different from ours, but it just helps us to understand how the Bible is using that word. So when I encounter the idea of there is a God and he sets the moral law, and because I am his creation, then I am designed to, I am obligated to follow that moral law, but I realize I'm not capable of fully following that moral law, and then I hear the information that God has provided a way for me to be in perfection, to be in perfect compliance with the law by just accepting the work of Jesus Christ. That's where my faith comes in. Through faith, I accept that Christ has followed the law perfectly for me and has paid the debt for every time I veered away from the law. As I hear that information, the Bible says that I need to change my mind. And instead of saying, I'm right and I should be in charge, I need to turn back toward God. I need to say, God is right. God should be in charge. When you have a strong change of mind that way, when you truly agree with God about what sin is and how bad sin is and the high cost that Jesus had to pay to cover our sins, it says your behavior ultimately will change. Now, I'm not saying in any way that we should not confess sins and that we should not confess individual sins and that even in some instances, we shouldn't stop right where we're at and speak to God about our sins because I absolutely think that we should. But let me quickly explain the difference here. You're not confessing a sin so that you can save yourself from hell. That's, that's a very bad miscalculation and a very bad misunderstanding. Jesus has already paid the price for you to be rescued from hell. Jesus has paid the debt for your sin. When you come to understand that, James talks about it in his letter in the New Testament. When we have what the Bible calls a saving faith, we have a desire to do things like turn away from our sin and turn back toward living a more godly life. We have a desire to be baptized by immersion in the manner in which Christ was. We have a desire to do things like talk to others about Jesus, serve other people in love when we realize how much God has served us in love. And we have a desire to confess our sins to God, to tell him that we're sorry, to acknowledge we're rebelling against him, to ask for his forgiveness, to ask for his strength and help to overcome those sinful habits in our lives. So you absolutely should be confessing your sins. You should be confessing them because you've already been saved by Christ and because that salvation gives you this desire to change your walk and to speak to God to acknowledge your sorrow, your guilt, to ask for his forgiveness, to thank him for his forgiveness. So confession is part of a Christian's life, and we should speak to God about our sins, but it can become a very faulty slope to think that we have to confess each sin, especially in some order or in some timely manner, in order to be saved. 
Again, what we need is a lifelong attitude of repentance. We need a lifelong attitude, a lifelong mindset that what God says is wrong is wrong. And therefore, I hate those actions and I want to cut those actions out of my life and turn and walk back toward God and turn and walk with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what saving faith does to us, not individual confession of our sins. So I think the question that this young man would be better to ask himself, and he and I discussed this, of course, I think the question he would be better to ask himself, the question that all of us as Christians would better ask ourselves is, rather than have I confessed each sin that I committed in the last 48 hours, a better question is, have I truly repented? Has my life turned back toward God for forgiveness through the grace he offers me in Jesus Christ? God needs me to say, I know you are God. I know what you say is a sin is a sin. I acknowledge that I do those things sometimes. I'm asking for forgiveness for those things. I'm going to do my best not to do them again. Father, will you let the Spirit give me the power to resist those temptations in the future? And most importantly of all, do you know and believe in your heart that Jesus has already paid for those sins even before you ever thought about committing them or confessing them? The question we have to ask ourselves, do I truly have a repented lifestyle? Is my mindset truly one of confession in agreement with God about sin? And do I truly have faith that Jesus has paid my debt on the cross? If we have that mindset of repentance, if we have that understanding, that mindset of confession, if we truly have faith that Jesus is our Savior and that God raised him from the dead as Roman 10 talks about, then we will have a desire to speak to God and acknowledge our faults to him and pray for forgiveness. But it's our saving faith that generates that desire to confess our sins in prayer to God. Confessing each individual sin in a list in detail is not what will save us to begin with. So in closing, the main question is, our main area of focus is, what is my mindset relative to God's will, relative to God's moral law, relative to my mindset of repentance and confession? Where do I stand? What is my faith in the work of Christ on the cross? That should be our main focus rather than, oops, did I forget to leave out a potential sin from two days ago when I prayed on Thursday night? And must I make that up now before my heart stops, etc.? Hope this was a helpful conversation. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Andy.